0: Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Weidel, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to widellonwinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm talking with Gracie Murphy, and we're getting ready to get into some real interesting lessons she learned on her way up the ladder. Gracie, thanks for taking the time and sharing with us. It's my pleasure. And uh, I know it's uh, gotta be a struggle for you this time of the year to find a time this time of the year, but also running a company of 1300 people uh, there's no end to the surprises that happened as you, I'm sure things that you got to deal with as you go through the day. So thanks again for being with us and uh, talk about uh, as you got in, how long were you doing that uh, uh, trading before you, you got the idea of starting your own business?
1: So I got here in 2003. I did trading for two years. I transitioned from trading to being a controller for a race car company here in Buford, and then from that uh, into fi- the finance part to take a company at retail uh, through bankruptcy, and I was one of the last ones to leave with the CFO. and And when I finished that project, that is when um, you know I started at Advanced Care
0: Partners. And so. Uh... Did global, the trading thing, was that not interesting to you or not, does that seem to be a dead-end type thing?
1: No, actually it was pretty interesting. The problem that I saw on that is because it was a Brazilian uh, company uh, that was, uh, they hired me to come to the United States in their headquarters to exchange money with Brazil. Then uh, I was not having a lot of experience in the American corporate world, which is what ah. helped me to learn English as well as the entire way how you know we do businesses in America. So that is why I wanted to push myself and challenge myself to go to the real world of the American and uh, and stay there.
0: Did that what cause you to seek out or to take advantage of that comptroller's role?
1: Yes, yes. So when I started ACP, I actually was pregnant with my first son. I have two sons. One is is turning uh, 11 next month. And I started ACP when I was four months pregnant. And uh, I saw this opportunity of, so ACP is a home healthcare company in, in three states. We provide nursing care to medically fragile patients, the majority are pediatric patients, which is a very niche business, which a lot of people don't know is if you have a child, if you gave birth or you have a child that meets a certain level of medical needs, the government of each state is required to pay me to provide nursing care to these children in their homes, sometimes for a lifetime, for free for the parents. It's a benefit that's a federal mandate that says, if these kids uh, uh, meet this level of medical care, we are going to supply the resources for the parents. So it's a really mission-driven business. The, The families that we take care are sometimes we're the only hope in this kids' lives because they don't have mom and dad, they have never even met mom and dad, uh, or they're very unprivileged. So it's why are uh, they
0: not? Met, wh- why is that now? You say uh-huh. they, wh- why is that? You said they sometimes they haven't even met mom and dad, or what? What what is that?
1: Because it when when you have a, a when when you have a child that. Uh, I would say 60% of our patients are because mom did not take care of the pregnancy, okay. used the drugs during right. the pregnancy. So the child uh, has a lot of birth defects and uh, and, 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 and requires equipment such as respiratory, uh, G-tube, CVLs to, to be alive. And yep. if, if we're not in their homes, they're gonna go back to the hospital because they need skilled care services. So if, to me, it was um, I was amazed when I first heard about the programs that each state uh, uh, funded by Medicaid. So I contract with the state Medicaid to take care of these kids uh, at no cost for the parents. In Brazil, I never heard of such a thing. Like if you have a child that's born with a lot of special needs, there is nobody to help. Here, the government is required to help the parents, regardless of the income of the the family. Even though they don't meet income level for Medicaid, there are waivers that we help the parents to acquire that will cover our services.
0: How did you get involved in, even find out about this opportunity because you're going from a racing company it seems like a huge uh, shift you know
1: yeah so uh after i finished taking the, the 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 retail company to bankruptcy after the racing company i went to to work on the project uh i i was pregnant and i like i said i was the last one to leave that that company i said well I don't want to go to work for another company because I'm pregnant. I want to have flexibility. And my husband had just done uh, a, a consultant work for a company just like that in Texas. And he came home and said, I think you're going to love this because you're a radi- radiologist in Brazil. You have your MBA in finance. You're going to mirror, you're going to basically marry the, the numbers with the care. Uh-huh. And uh, and it's very mission driven. I absolutely love kids, especially special need kids. It is one of my my call in life is to help them to get better. So uh, I went to Texas. Uh, the CEO of the company opened the door for me to take a look on the business model and how it's operating. And um, and I fell in love with the mission and the causes that we serve. So I came here uh, studied the guidelines for medicaid of georgia and hired a consultant to help me to get through licensure and he started acp in 2010 got baptized by fire every day for 11 years and uh here we go
0: (laughs) yeah let's talk about this husband uh uh he reels you in the brazilian beauty and uh uh was a condition of the marriage the fact that you you would get married at the Breakers down here in Palm Beach? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you even know about the Breakers? I uh, did.
1: I did. I was fortunate enough to have gone to the Breakers before that.
0: Yes. And so, how did that come about?
1: Well, I we actually had two two weddings. We had one here and one in my hometown in Brazil for probably eighty percent of the population of the of
0: that population. town.
1: Yeah. Yes, my family, my my fa- my family is pretty big down there. So yeah, so we we wanted to do a destination wedding, and uh, and the breakers was was a dream wedding. That was 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. And uh, as you you know started talking today, you talked about something near and dear to your heart, also, and that is. Things you've learned about running a successful business, and just like you've got a passion for helping kids, you got a passion for helping entrepreneurs on the way up to kind of alert them to things they need to know that could allow them to be successful. And I'm sure these things, you know, you talk about skills and phases, you go through the stages. Let's talk about that because I'm sure those lessons... Were uh, not learned very easily. I'm sure there's a, there's brutal experiences there in your your uh, uh, education uh, and uh, trial and error education on that. And so, how what do you mean when you talk about the different? Uh, 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 you talk to people about different phases uh, businesses go through and the skills you need and things like that. Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business, has accrued over $5 billion in assets under management, and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellumwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up.
1: Yeah. So in my company, so you think about from licensure to the first patients, you, you know, your first, I would say 5 million, then you go to 10, 15, 20, 30. And I actually sold the majority interest of the company to a private equity firm at the end of 2018. And I led the entire, not just the negotiation piece, but the entire due diligence, as well as uh, two and a half years later, You know, as a CEO of the company. So it's, it's very different if this is your first business, it's very different between it, Starting a company and growing the company, because not just the leadership team that you have to take with you as you grow, the phases, is the complexity that the business becomes as you grow. And it's, it's funny to say that, but, you know, when you double revenue, your complexity doesn't double. Your complexity, you know, is 10 or 15 times more. It doesn't follow exactly the same math as the, the, the revenue. So you have to be prepared and if this is the first and the biggest business you ever, you know, grew, you have to stay ahead of the game and continue to improve you as the leader to be the leader that the the company needs. Otherwise, the company is going to outgrow you and you're going to become irrelevant. A lot of, um, you know, leaders continue to grow the business without growing themselves as a leader. And uh, and they they and the, even the vision doesn't get you know re- reinvented or, or 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 updated because they get stuck on that mentality that they have been using for ten years and and they cannot stay ahead of the game.
0: And how did you how did you wind up learning those lessons? Do you start observing that when you were even trading? Or when did you start? Did that get your attention?
1: I would say that a year and a half after I started ACP is when I really thought, oh, my goodness, I, number one, leading is a privilege. I will never take it for granted. I think uh, as a leader is, is you have to take full responsibility and accountability for whatever happens in organization. And that's when I looked back and I said, wow, I, I have you know 10 employees at that point, uh, co- corporate employees, because we had many more nurses, but you don't see your nurses every day because they right. are in the patient's homes. But I started thinking, how can I now develop them to grow with the company? Otherwise, they are going to become irrelevant because as you grow, the people that used to be your hero They are no longer the heroes because you need bigger heroes, because there's bigger and more complex issues to trade. And the worst thing is to have to hire more experienced people above the people that have been with you for sometimes five, 10 years, because you were not able to scale with them. And, uh, you know, as a company, you have to be able to provide the resources for them to grow. And they also wanted to, they have to be willing to learn and grow as well. So it takes two to tangle.
0: So did you get into any uh, awkward or disturbing situations uh, that caused you to realize what you're just telling me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you have to let it go, someone or with someone that has been with you for for a long time resigns because they no longer feel valued because, you know, the job is not the same anymore. You know, you're you're a bigger company, so there's different positions that you have to invent even to to create, even to continue the growth. So a lot of awkwardness is, is when you realize that you failed as a leader to train and develop them to go to the next level. And you ended up, you know, losing a, you know, a, a family member, because to me, my employees are, are family to me. I, and I say that because culture is such an important piece as you grow an, an a enterprise that, you know, have to be people centric and have to be people first. And when everybody, if someone leaves, is almost like a family member is is leaving and uh, is never a happy moment.
0: Yeah, but don't you find, uh, maybe you're taking too much responsibility there. I mean, you know, if I had done a better job of training and developing and this, that and the other, uh, you know, cause not everybody is hungry to continue to improve and grow and it's natural. To you know, people. Not everybody's capable of continuing to grow and improve, and or they don't. They're not capable on the motivation side. Let's, let's
1: right. Say. But I think the question is: Did you give them the opportunity to? Did you give yeah. them the resources? If how could start, you?
0: How could you have given them better opportunity to do that?
1: I think when you're growing a company, you back then, you know, this being like eleven or twelve years. I did not focus on training in the beginning because you know the what first, kind of
0: training, what kind of training would you have focused on? I would have had to, to do it them
1: even how to lead people or how to hold yeah. people accountable or how to be a better teammate or how to create culture together, how let's debrief, let's there's there's so many even soft skills that you can empower them to use more that can reflect in a different outcome. But it, I, I totally see what you're coming from because sometimes you invest all the resources and they don't want to do it. They don't want to grow. They're just happy where they are. But that was not the case to me because we're first phase of any entrepreneurial company is hustle. You yeah. hustle, hustle. You are a tactical company. You're not your outcome focused company. Yeah. So you have to pivot from being not, you know, uh, uh, task oriented, but outcome oriented. How can you change a mindset from being a tactical to a strategic leader? Yeah. And, uh, and it is a big shift, as you know, is is even to to train your employees to think differently. It's very different, and uh, and you have to be on it, and you have to uh, create a culture of people development.
0: Well, uh, after you do that training, let's just say you've done the training and mm-hmm. you know you did the training and this, that, and the other, and really that's not good enough to tell you the truth. Gracie, I love you, but it's not good enough. You've got to follow up the training with uh, a program thing where they're measured. You can yes, see yes. if they take it serious, and the numbers start to improve and what i always did was it was like you know i just looked at people their job was my job grow you know the number one job number one job of a leader is to win for your pe, you know your team and your people and win in the right way and it's results and it's just results and so i put people in the same thing with me like if you can't grow your results uh Bye bye. I got to find somebody who will, and uh, I don't care what system you use. I don't care if you go to the Himalayas and you meditate up there in the mountains and the clouds to get yourself through a transition. Go down to Cancun, play golf all day long, you know, and come in and you give it, you know, fifteen good minutes a day, and that's all it takes for you to grow your bit great. However you can figure it out, but at some point you got to hold people accountable. And, and and Gracie, between me and you, some people just, you know the company will outgrow them, you know? And actually, like you say, big, you need bigger and bigger heroes. And the charge for a leader is to make sure the company doesn't outgrow you. And that's really what happens with founders. Uh, the reason the founders get thrown out, probably the best thing for Steve Jobs early on was they threw him out of Apple, you know, cause he was controlling and he was dictatorial and he was, you know, he always had those tendencies even when he came back but he had a lot of the rough edges knocked off. You know, he's a lot more collaborative, you know, when he went over there and created the uh, the cartoon factory over there, <laughs> you know, wow. the animation uh, thing, a lot more collaborative. And uh, I think he even realized uh, how much more you could do. So he still had that ins- incredible insight and sharpness and everything. But, you know, I think he needed a timeout, you know, so sometimes, uh uh People just get outgrown, you know, and then you, what happens is I've seen our company had incredible momentum for years and years. And then we started, you know, the leader started worrying about the people who weren't keeping pace and that just drug everybody else down, you know, it's like decisions are being made to keep the old guys happy, you know, and come on guys, you know, and yeah, we love you, you know, we give you a plaque and, but at some point you got to get better. You know, and some, I think it's one of the things you learn about being a leader is you got to develop the long-term perspective that some people are just not going to keep up for the whole ride. Right. If you you do your job to continue to grow uh, at some point, they got to do their job of continuing to grow themselves. And uh, uh, they're not all going to be willing to do that are motivated you know because when they came in it was a certain size company with a certain size mission now that it's this big behemoth you know you've been successful in all kind of like the complexities they might be able to handle a little bit of complexity but when you double production and like you said uh 10 to 15 times more uh complexity it could be just too confusing you know too much too much monkey business for them to hang around with, you know, type thing. So yeah. how did you figure out the complexity uh, aspect of it?
1: I think it comes down to processes. You have these standards in place that people know what
0: they're doing. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to wideleandwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Wydell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.